Welcome back to the Mind Talk podcast with myself, Edwin. And today we have a special guest um, who used to compete in the UK, did track and field, um, and he goes by the name of Robert Graham. Robert, thanks for joining. Uh, thank you for having me, man. It's a special guest. <laughs> Quite privileged to be referred <laughs> to as that as a guest. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> No problem, no problem. So uh, I'd like to start with the same question to every guest. So talk to us about your first experience with sport. My first experience with sport? That's taking me back now. I'm old now, you know what I mean? You see all these grades all over me now, you know, it's taking me back. <laughs> but my first experience with sport, like, I, I played rugby. I played rugby okay. at an early age. That was my first, like, me participating in sport and really loving it. I, I was a big fan of rugby for many, many years. Um, yeah. I I did that until about the age of, I think, 17, 18. Okay. And I would run track at school. Yeah. But I, I always preferred rugby. Always. Rugby was my first okay. love. Loved rugby. Okay. Did you did you do any other sports or was it just rugby back then? I played, I played as, at school. You know what I mean? You play all sports. You're exposed to everything. Basketball. Mm hockey, volleyball, basketball, every sport you're exposed to, you know what I mean? And as an as an athlete, just you can run, jump and almost fly, you know what I mean? You just you just naturally pick up any sport and you you're okay at it from at a school level. But rugby was yeah. the one that really kept my interest. I loved hitting hard, I loved running past people. I I loved that what rugby taught me was just I never I never forget that's my first love. Did did you take like did you consider taking um rugby like to another level? Um, I thought of, I thought about it. I wasn't like, mm. oh, I'm going to be a professional rugby player. I mean, I was like, like my school team was really good, really really good. Okay. We won loads of tournaments, especially like at a sevens level. We were winning. We were cleaning up on the sevens circuit. So between like thirteen and and fifteen, sixteen. Like GCSE, we were cleaning up, winning so many sevens tournaments. At the same time, I was running track in the summer. Um, yeah. But then I remember, I remember when I hit fourteen. I, was, I, I, I don't think I've grown since I was fourteen, mate. You know what I mean? Mm. But I remember at fourteen thinking, bloody hell, these guys shot up. Like they're a lot bigger mm. than me now, a lot heavier, and the hips starting to. I'm starting to feel it now. Yeah. And I, thought, I thought, hold on a second, you know what I mean? This this might not be the way forward. <laughs> and plus rugby didn't have any women you know what I mean I like women yeah and then track and field had girls my age running around in bikini you know what I mean no disrespect to the girls <laughs> that run in race attire but to a young guy that's you running around in a bikini it was a, wonderful it kind of drew my attention that way towards track yeah. but I did I did alright in rugby like I said I played well, we won a lot of sevens tournaments 15s was good but um, I ended up I remember one time I was playing for Saracens. I didn't realize like how far I'd got in rugby. I was just going with yeah. the flow. Like England schoolboys call up. I didn't even attend it properly. I just I didn't know what was going on. And then uh, I was playing for Saracens, and we won the Middlesex Cup against um, Richmond. No, I was playing for Richmond and playing against Saracens, and we beat Saracens in the Middlesex Cup in the 15s match. And I didn't really know what was going on. I just thought it was another match. I didn't I didn't know too much about it. And that was yeah. like my last time I played. I never 
I never thought about pursuing any further. I was like, nah, this is too much hard work, man. Going from Wandsworth all the way down to Richmond on that cold bus in the early month. I'm not interested. So I never really did thought... You, did... Go on, sorry. Yeah, did you ever look back? Do you ever look back now and think, mm, maybe I could have like pursued it a bit further? Yeah, I mean, I look back and I thought, you know, I was, I was a quick... I was quick, very quick off the mark and strong. Man, I was, I was very strong and explosive. But I didn't, I didn't have any guidance in rugby. Like apart from my schoolmasters who were like, like really caring and really good to me in, in the sport, but at a school level, I didn't really have any like guidance like that. My, my parents were just like happy that I was just out and playing sport on a regular basis. I was, I was good at it, bringing medals back, this, that. But I didn't have any guidance yeah. to say, all right, this is the direction you should be taking because you're at a certain level. It was nothing like that. So when I realized, I said, oh, you know what? These guys are just big. I'm not interested in this. I started doing track. One dad said to me, he said, look, come and do some track track meets at Hercules Wimbledon. I was like, all right, whatever. Let's go for it. And then the, the buzz of like winning races and it's just you. There's no team. It's just you. It's like, wow. Yeah. This is a little McDonald's league. You know what I mean? This is fun. Mm. <laughs> and then that kind, of, that kind of took over my interest until I wasn't even thinking about rugby anymore. Yeah, funny to say McDonald's League. It just it kind of shows our age because I remember the <laughs> McDonald's League and is it um, not there anymore? How, how... I don't know what it's called now. I don't know what it's called now, but it's probably not McDonald's it, League anymore. Is um, it McDonald's League? I, or, I remember like senior is the BAL British Athletic, whatever it was. Yeah, but McDonald's League, man, that was some fun. But that was they were fun times. Yeah, there's there time. was there's a lot. Like there was a lot of talented athletes you would see at the McDonald's League mm. who at that age you thought, nah, they're they're gonna go on to to do great things. But it shows you with with athletics, what you see at youth level is not always what tends yeah. to happen later on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is which is quite interesting. So in, in terms of like doing McDonald's League, you winning races, did it make you start to think maybe I can take athletics to another level again not really i never i never thought long term in anything i was always a person who lives for the moment i'm like i very much just like go with the flow yeah i like what i like and if i'm enjoying it in the moment i'm gonna stick with it as soon as i stop enjoying it like i'm i'm out i'm done hmm. so being like winning a few races here and there like you know what i mean and then you start to you get exposed to people that are really good They've got really good technique and they're, they're really well drilled. You're like, what the hell? And I don't like losing. So I, yeah. it was that that made me get deeper into it. Okay. I remember a couple of athletes and they destroyed me. And I thought I was quick. And they yeah. properly destroyed But I had no technique. I used to run. like My knees used to flay outwards. My foot was like running behind me, everything. I was, I was tight-shouldered. I had no mm. technique whatsoever. I was a real muck just running, just running, running. Then there was athletes with their knees up and their arms swinging nicely, relaxed, and they would fly. I said, nah, I've got to learn that. I've got to learn how to fit that feels. <laughs> so that's probably what kept me in it at that age. Yeah. I don't know. This is what I need to learn. So so how did it, how did you um get like get a coach? Did you just fall into it or you actually put, like went and looked for one? 
yeah, fell into it again. It was like, my dad said, like I said, my dad said to me, the, the, one of my friends, school friends, uh, is in my rugby team. And his dad said to me, come and do a couple of races down at Hercules Wimbledon. So I did. Yeah. Um, and then they said, come and attend some practices. I was like, sure, no problem. I'll attend some practice. Um, and it was just there. It was just one of the club coaches down there. I started, started with him. Mm-hmm. And then I think, I, I don't know, how did, it, how did it go? It's just taking me back, man. <laughs> but it was a club coach. And then I made it to English school somewhere. I don't know what happened. There. I went to like a Surrey school and I did something there. I don't know if I came first or second. I got, I went mm-hmm. to the English schools. I didn't know what was going on. I was selected for English schools. I don't know what that means, but I'm going with Surrey. All right, cool. And then from there, I think I got my ass handed to me. I was like, mm. I don't like that. I've got to train harder. Mm. So I looked for another coach. And I didn't, I didn't even look. I went down to Tooting Beck. And mm. there was a lot of fast athletes down there. So naturally, I gravitated towards that group. Okay. That's, that, that was it. Mm. Yeah, was that it, was it. Um, but when, when you saw that group, did you think, you know what, being in the environment like this this is going to make me nope. make me faster nope i mean I, I, you you always want to be faster that group was running really fast so you just thought okay if i train with these guys i'll get faster well, i wasn't really putting too much thought into it. i just there was the fast guys i wanted to beat them so i'll, I'll yeah. train with them and then yeah. I, I joined the group and like it was, I just, re- I, I mean, looking back on it now, it's all same, 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 same. It's just a bunch of people in a one place. Like I was doing good enough training there. If I just spent a bit more time focusing on what the guy was telling me to do, then I'd have been all right. Likewise, the group that I did move to with, um, mm-hmm. what was his name? Ivor. Ivor down at Hearn Hill. He's, he, he's a good coach. He knew, he knew the basics of how to improve, how to improve like your step count and step frequency. So he was, he was, good from a basic level um, for me then. But I didn't understand what he was doing. I didn't understand what it is I was going through. And then from there, I think the next year I made English schools again. Did shit again. But we, we won relays. I had performed terrible, but in relays, first leg, I was I was mad quick again. Don't have to think, do you? Yeah. You run like a madman and do whatever. So yeah. from there, I went on to move train with uh, John Powell. Yeah, and I stayed there for a while. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about next steps. Or obviously, it would be nice to make international, but I didn't know the steps to go through to make it there. I didn't know nationals was like your call-up chance. I just something that's called nationals. I had no idea. I was a yeah. complete, I was completely oblivious to how it all worked. Completely. So you said you mentioned you joined John Paul. Pals group. Um, mm. How was it like being in that environment at, at the beginning? Um, that's a good question. Let me think. Let me think. That was when I when I joined there. Who was who was the athletes at the time? Yeah, Chris Lambert, Dwayne Grant, a very young James Ellington. Uh, you had a few others. You had a few others in there. Like a good, a couple of uh, four hundred hurdlers, like really good young talent, really, really good, and they they all looked very professional. It was so different to what I'd come to, uh, that I'd been exposed to. 
And when I saw that and I saw people like making teams and this, that, it was like, that kind of opened my eyes to that, oh shit, this, these things are possible. So that's what, that, again, that's when I started to like, put more focus into training. Yep. But again, it was, it's a situation where like one size doesn't fit all. I was not like you, Chris Lambert. I was not like you, Dwayne Grant. They're, they're like finesse sprinters. Mm-hmm. I was raw muck power, just power. I just needed polishing yeah. up, cleaning up. I don't need to run distance. I don't need it. Distance actually crippled me. I mean, that's mm. that's the first time I'd really started to experience injuries. You know what I mean? Hamstring mm. tear. I bounce between left and right hamstring tear all the time. All the time. Mm. Winter, when it was like long, hard work, all right, I'm strong, but my technique's terrible. So when it's time to put in speed, <laughs> after yeah. you've done all that donkey work, like I would break. Like I'm not built yeah. for speed. I haven't been conditioned for speed. And that was my, I didn't, I didn't put the pattern together for many years. Yeah. And I kept going through the same thing. If anything, that period of my training really destroyed what it is I could have become. Because it was year after year after year. Imagine coming into, <laughs> imagine coming into May. Um, what yeah. do you call that? All the counties coming into counties in May, and you're yeah. strong. You look great. This that, and you go counties. You do well. You medal. You do whatever. Then next couple of races, you get injured. Then you might get injured again. And before May's even out, you're already saying to yourself, "Wait till winter." Which when I get my winter training in? You've just lost a whole year. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But this, that, that is a phrase. Yeah. I mean, I'm guilty of saying it like for many years. Yeah. I know a lot of other athletes who have said it as well for many years. And that was like a, that thought process, man, that, that you'll lose a lot of your life thinking like that. Just because yeah. your preparation was just backwards. You know, you... <laughs> That's and crazy. I had what well, I had what well, who was considered like or viewed as one uh, like a really good coach. Mm. He got like a good couple of junior athletes or whatever, and the junior mm. athletes were doing really well, and they were thriving under him. So he thought, "Yo, I've got a really good coach here. Let me. It must be all me. Like you know, what I mean, the coach is doing. He's produced this. He's produced that. He's produced whoever, and I'm the only one getting broken. But then when you look around you, it's like." Hold on a second, no, no, no. You, you ain't produced no one, mate. These guys were already good. And when you really check it, yeah, when them man was going through the long, hard sessions, like what we were going through, they would pull up some kind of magic injury. Oh, coach, I can't do this one. This and that hurts. So they'll sit back. Mm. They don't go through the hard stuff. So when it comes close to competition, they're a little bit more fresh. They've sure. done the, the, the harder reps with good technique, not fading as much. So they've actually got what they need to get out of the session and been able to compete. Where mm-hmm. I remember this, this guy's favorite saying was money in the bank. <laughs> money in the bank. He would say, what a stupid quote. Like, dig deep and uh, extend and all that nonsense. I don't mean nothing mm-hmm. here, but you've got to keep working up, keep working up, keep grafting. Mm-hmm. Yo, meanwhile, our bodies were just wrecking. <laughs> just wrecking. Do, do you think some, some of the athletes in your group had the intelligence of the time realising that no nah, that's not good for my body I'm just gonna 
I hold back and you think that it was some that just for everything that this guy says is gonna get them to to the highest level. Yeah. I don't think I don't think many athletes had that type of intelligence. The ones who had that type of intelligence just left. And it's not that they left that mindset to go to a brand new mindset. They just left that environment and went somewhere else. And always something fresh is like, there's an excitement level there. There's, there's a new adrenaline boost. They were already good athletes and they just went on to do more in a, in a different environment. So changes can be a, a good thing as well. Like to get stuck in the mud, which is what I did in that group, mm-hmm. it, it's killer. Killer, but in terms of like thinking, yo, this is too much. This is way too much. I mean, some people would like hint that it's too much. I mean, even me, I, I've been the same to the guy a couple of times. I'm like, dude, I don't want to be running this long distance stuff anymore. I don't enjoy it. It hurts too much. I don't want to do it. So, but you need to, you need to be able to get through rounds. And someone behind me said, I don't know if I said it or someone behind me said, it's like, how are you going to get through rounds? How are you going to make it through rounds? You can't even get past the first round because you're not quick enough. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point? Yeah. And that's always stuck with me. And I said, all right, boom, I'm done with 200s now, mate. I need to up my speed. Mm-hmm. Get my speed game up, get my time down, and then maybe one day I'll go back to the twos. Yeah. But the, 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 the mindset about just, just slugging reps out slowly as well, yeah, and then then you go comp, <laughs> then you go. You probably heard this as well. You go competition, and someone says, "I haven't even done any block work yet." Uh, you could yeah. do the competition then. What are you doing? Like, go and do some blocks. Get your ass fast first, and then come here and compete. But you do back to back threes and a whole bunch of twos and however many one fifties, and then you're going to take that slow plodding pace, and then go and think you're fast. Nah, mate, it doesn't want that. And that was the training background I'm coming from. How the hell do you expect to make anything mm. from that? Yeah. Like, none do at you, all, you know? Do you, do you think that was not just your group at the time, but that was a major issue in terms of training back Massive then? Issue. At... Massive issue. That was just like the time we was in. Mm. The time we were in was just was like, that was the, the, the school of thought. And you would just go yeah. through it because that's what the coach was saying to do. You, put, I mean, I grew up in a, in a time where if you're my elder, I show you a certain level of respect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Plus, I've chosen you as a coach. So now you have my yeah. respect from both ends. You're my elder, plus you're yeah. my coach, and I've chosen that. So I listen. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not a rude person or whatever. So I go, by, go with what you're saying for a period of time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't question it to make changes I questioned it to like prove a point and if you're if the coach is stuck in a way of thinking and you're stuck in a way of thinking you're just two opposing forces going at each other there's no it's not a relationship for progress now it's just it's just mm-hmm. what you would consider now as toxic and you stay in that environment for so long and no wonder why there's no there's no improvement mm. what what made you get to the point where you decided I'm going to leave this group and when that conversation came up with him, how did he take it? We fell out. We fell out. I mean, I won't go into too much detail. Yeah. <laughs> but we fell out and he kicked me out. Best thing he ever did. Because I would have just stayed mm-hmm. there. Because my friends were down there. It was like South London. I'm from South London. It not take long to get down there. It was easy. Yeah. 
I would have just stayed there because I didn't like change. I didn't like too much of change at the time. Mm. Or I couldn't afford too much of change. Meaning that my life is so fixed in South London. For me to go and train somewhere like East London or further out west is what I ended up doing. But it was too much of a drastic change. That means other things would have had to sacrifice for me to do that. Mm. And I wasn't, I wasn't in that space. I wasn't even thinking like that. I had no one really around me advising me. I was just, just going with the flow. Mm-hmm. But when he kicked me out, I was like, you know, it felt like a massive, massive weight off my shoulder. Like, it really mm-hmm. felt good. I was like, oh, wow. All right. Thanks. And we shook hands, and that was it. Yeah. That was it. And that was, that was how, a good um, That was a good thing. How... How was it like finding a new coach after that experience? Mm. Well, I, f- I ended up training with Linford after that. Mm. And how Lim- how that came about, Linford was just, co- I think he was coming off the back of coaching Darren Campbell, Mary and uh, Jamie Bolsh and all them guys. They'd gone off to training Wells. They, they, they moved away from him logistically it just didn't yeah. make sense so he was now down at based at Brunel and he was just coaching Christian mm-hmm. uh, Christian Malcolm and it was just him and Christian so a girl that I used to train with yeah, she reached out to me and she was like how's things going and we were talking and I was like look I'm not with John whatever anymore um, yeah. she was like oh you know what um, and she just hooked it up she was like oh, go, and, go and see Linford I'm like what do you mean go and see Linford there's only one Linford, so I didn't need to question him. Like, <laughs> as soon as the meeting was arranged, I flew down there, mate. Went to go and see Linford. Linford yeah. is like a a childhood hero. You know what I mean? You see him mm. going to war, and that was something yeah. I just idolized. I thought this guy is the man. So when I went yeah. to see him, I was like, I wasn't quite starstruck, mm. but I was very close to being starstruck when I first met him. And even when I went to go see him, I was injured, so I couldn't even train straight away. And we met, we spoke, and Linford is just a genuinely nice guy. Like, such a nice person. And he said, yeah, no problem, you can train with us. And it was just him and Christian. Okay. So for him to say, yeah, you can come train, I was like, you're coaching. Christian Malcolm was like, like at the time, top in Britain. And you're Linford Christie. I'm no one. <laughs> See what I mean? I'm, mm. I'm not on you guys' level. And you're, he's just like, yeah, yeah, come train, man. Come down, come down. This is when we train this, that, this, that. I was like, mm. all right, boom. But I couldn't train. I mashed my hamstring up. So he was like, all right, what you need to do is you need to get stronger. And that was Linford's thing for me. He was just like, just get your ass strong. Just get strong. Mm. All this injury stuff you was doing, all that nonsense you was doing before, just get stronger. Mm. And uh, touching on this, uh, Falling, falls in line with your podcast is what I learned from Linford was mindset. Hmm. That man was a killer. When it came to mindset, yeah. not many can teach you what he instills in people. Yeah. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's still like that now, but that guy had a killer, killer mentality, man. Real killer. And he was he was okay when he was coaching, you know. What I mean, he wasn't like he didn't push you too yeah. hard or whatever. But in terms of like things he would say, the stories he tell, and in terms of yeah. like from his experience, you could lean into those experiences and see 
what you needed from that. And that's a lot of what I took from it. Wasn't like a great technician. I need someone to really clean my technique up and Linford wasn't that for me. But what he was was someone who can deal with your mindset. Any doubt you have about yourself, that didn't really exist around that. And over time, you know, I mean, more people came into the group. Um, Andrew Matthews came in. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, he's <laughs> Andrew's like powerful as well. You know what I mean? So mm. me and Andrew would benefit quite a lot of the same type of work. Um, yeah. So when he came in, it was like, all right, now the group's starting to pick up. So yeah. What What was um in terms of the mindset? What was the biggest thing that you learned from Linford? It's a great question. Naturally, I have a lot of belief in myself. Like, no matter what, no matter what's going on, no matter how many setbacks you have or whatever, I have a lot of belief in myself and my ability. Whether it's displayed and other people believe it or not, I know who yeah. I am. I know what I'm capable of doing. Linford only reinforced that. Mm-hmm. I remember we was doing a session one time with. Uh, we were doing a session in the group one time and it was me, a friend of mine, Josh, who was in the group as well. Yeah. Who eventually came as part of the group. Uh, Andrew and Christian. And we did some long distance stuff outside or whatever. And like, like, what was the session? I think it was four, three, two, one. In the 400, like I quit, I quit running the 400. I was doing the session. I'm doing the rep and I stopped running the four. We did a three and I jogged the two, two, 200 first 200 and I kind of came down the straight a bit better. Yeah. In the 200, I kind of like cruised that as well. But in the one, I put my foot down and I was ahead of the pack. Then we came inside and we did some 60s. Yeah. And I was wiping the floor of it. You know what I mean? Just quick times as well. Yeah. But I wasn't pushing hard. I wasn't pushing hard at all. And Linford came into my and he says, Dread. This is going to be your season. And those little words there, and I wasn't really even trying. It was like That stuck with me that year. Yeah. <laughs> Until I fucking hurt my back. <laughs> I mashed yeah. up my hamstring. But again, the school that he's coming from was hard work. Like work hard, put the work in, put the work in, put the work in. Yeah. It, to me, it breaks me down. Like if I do too much yeah. work with it, minus the conditioning, I'm broken. And I would yeah. keep repeating the same cycle. So I would show glimpses that I'm ready. Yeah. But then come season time, I'm broken. But there was that, always that belief in my head. And I think Linford like really enforced that. Yeah. Really make athletes believe that now. Nah, you guys are you guys are it. And I think that's so important. So important. If you can couple that with yeah. with the right mechanics and the right aptitude to training hmm. you have your athlete it's now down to them what they can do let's keep them healthy how, how did you deal with injuries mentally terrible <laughs> hmm. terrible 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 like anytime anytime i get injured i'm like i'm vexed with myself i'm like i knew this was gonna happen i know i know it so i i would do like negative self-talk. I would send myself into like a complete whirlwind of negativity. Yeah. Being an athlete, you know what I mean? You're not, 
being an athlete at the level I was at, you're not earning any money. So the money you do earn, you have to do outside, you know, I mean, part-time job, this, that, whatever. But it's part-time yeah. work. So you're not earning a big set of money. Treatment's expensive at yeah. that income bracket. So yeah. I couldn't afford the treatment that I needed to train, to, to be training at the level I was trying to be at. Yeah. So that was just another, like, oh, bloody hell, you're injured. Now you've got to sit down, you get one treatment, and that's you for a minute. You can't really do too much. So once I was injured, I was just, like, negative. I was upset with myself. But I would still be doing work. Yeah. I would still, like, turn up to train. I was still, like, you know what's funny? Now I'm actually going over it. Every time I came back from injury, I came back better. Hmm. I wasn't running as much. I would be yeah. conditioning my body. I'd be performing yeah. what I could perform. And then when I was able to start running, I would build things up and I would, I was just, I was just not stressed. So when I didn't yeah. run with stress, wow. Mm. How'd you get a PB and you're just, just back off your tearing your hamstring? Yeah. Well, my PB wasn't that great in the first place. I know I should be running what the rest of the group is running. The group is running like 10-2, sub 10-2, and I'm like, we're competing yeah. and I'm ahead of them in training. I know what I'm yeah. capable of. But I'm, yeah. my PB is messing around at 10-6 or whatever. But these men are competing sub 10-2. Yeah. If I'm a 10-6 runner, that's my best. And these men are running 10-2. We shouldn't be nowhere near each other in training. It should be daylight every single rep. Even if you jog, yeah. you should be whooping my ass. I never, that was never, ever, ever the case. Never. But I would come back and I'd run times straight after an injury. Straight yeah. after an injury. So when I put these things together, like as a, as a grown-ass man now, it's like, dude, why you didn't put the piece of the puzzle together earlier? Mm. It's not, don't kill yourself on the track. Track is hard. You bam, 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 all the time. There's a, there's a lot of injuries that's going to come from that. When your body doesn't feel good, step back, just take a break, mm -hmm. do something else, or just take complete rest and come back when you're fresh. That's when you're going to get the most out of yourself and your adaptation that you're going to be better. But nope, I would keep going. I would keep going. I would keep going. Because that was the mindset that's, that was around training groups at the time. Mm -hmm. Graft, grit, hard work, keep going, keep going, keep going. But now, Linford did when we were when we were training. If I did get injured, he was really supportive and he was always in your ear saying, "You know, what I mean, just small things like, how are you? Mm. How's the injury coming along? Have you seen someone about this? You know, what I mean, let me try and see if I can sort something. You know, what I mean, that, small things like that. When certain managers, oh, yeah, and he's injured and they don't talk to you, he would be mm. the person who's like, he he shows that he cares and he genuinely does care. Yeah. So like, I got massive respect for that man. Massive respect. Like going going through injuries and going through like your experience, it's I've I've spoken to quite a few athletes that have kind of it's they put the puzzle together, but when they do it, they're they're done. They're really retired. Yeah. Um, what would you say though? You saw the difference in in terms of your mindset from when you first started competing to when you finished your career, what was the biggest difference? Like my approach to competition, like right at the end of my career, like now my list of injuries is massive. Like 
at that end, at that towards the tail end of my career, I've mm-hmm. torn so much parts of my body, like dislocated parts. I didn't even know we could dislocate. You know what I mean? I, I was a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember my best race came, I think in, I don't even remember what year it was, mm-hmm. but I came fourth at the national 60, 60 meter nationals. Mm-hmm. And I got out on everyone. I was in lane one or lane one or lane two or something. I think, yeah, lane one. And I got out on everyone. My 30 meter, I'm leading the race. And I remember every step that I took to 30 meters hurt like hell. I dislocated my shoulder that year. My shoulder was killing me. My knees felt like they were going to explode. My lower back was like, it was aching so much. And I remember just thinking, just get to the end of this. Just, just get to the end. At 30 meter, I had a ten, I didn't know. One of my biggest problems, like in my technique, was that I was very powerful. I was very good at coming out and blocks, but I didn't know how to transition into mm-hmm. like top end speed, like max velocity. I didn't know the mechanics of how to go into that. Mm-hmm. So when I would finish my drive phase, I would mm-hmm. pop straight up, like torso fully erect and just pumping the knees, just like lifting my knees up. <laughs> like even saying that, I feel like I feel like a clown, but that's how I was running back then. Yeah. Well, in that race, I did that, and as soon as I went upright, that man just came on me. Like the eventual winner is going to be the eventual winner. De Salo, he was a monster that year. He was mm-hmm. going to win. But yeah. the next two places, they weren't like like blisteringly fast times. It was like six seven two, six seven two, me six seven three or four, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hold on a second, you missed out on a medal because your ass couldn't fucking hold your position. Just just mm-hmm. hold it. Just, just don't even panic. Just hold it. Mm-hmm. I want to be them two guys. Easy. But what I did, I popped up. And I remember fin- when I finished that race, I was like, that really hurt. But you were close to executing what you knew you could execute. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, like, competing was painful. But I had to go into competition Number one, I loved it. But I had to yeah. go into it with a with an with an idea of what it is I needed to achieve for that race. Yeah. So it wasn't always going about there trying to win, trying to win, it was running any old hell. It was like, this is what I need to work on. This is what you're good at, stick to your strength, and this is what you need to do. And as that season went on, I actually did start running to string together a few like good times. It wasn't so erratic, it wasn't like 10-9, 10-9, fucking eleven two and some minus headwind and 10-8, then this, then 10-6, then 10 you know what I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't mashed up like that, it was like consistent yeah. 10-5, 10-5, 10-5, so the drop was going to come, but yeah. my body was always in pain, I used to walk around limp, mm. my warm-up would take forever, mm. and I wasn't warming up properly, I was, yeah, my warm-up was terrible, a lot of stat- static stretching, not, not much movement, I was just trying to ease the pain off before I had to start moving. Mm-hmm. So my approach became very, to competition, became very cautious. And then just yeah. going back on it, what was my approach like during, like in the competition, like in the race, I had to execute step by step by step. If I tried to, if I missed a step, my hamstrings are already like, <laughs> they're used to tearing. So if I had a moment where I'm about to curl back, my hamstring's gone. Immediately it'll be gone. So I was very cautious of that. So I tried to make each step count. 
but then you lose then you lose a lot of yourself because you can't move with so much freedom mm-hmm. so again looking back on it that was like the beginning of the end for me and then yeah the, the pains man the pain i don't i don't wish that on anyone the pain is just too much do you think you having all those injuries is obviously our body is our body's our body but do you think a lot of it's to do with the time you spent at your previous training group hell yeah well, yeah, yeah there's a massive part to play in it massive part to play massive 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 uh, it's not the only thing that hmm. put me in 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 the, the condition that i'm in or was competing in and still am in <laughs> but it is a massive contributor towards it all because it compounds, you know what I mean? It's like interest. Over time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit you. Mine was the opposite effect. Mine compounded and got worse, and I was being destructive to my body. I wasn't doing anything to better it. The stronger I got came at a cost, mm. and that cost was like poor performance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my, me and another, another aspect of me um, like doing damage to my body was that I became a very good lifter. Well, not not a technician wise, but I was just very strong and lifted like crazy every single day. Very strong. I became a, a weightlifter who could who liked to sprint. Mm-hmm. I wasn't training for sprints no more. I was I was a lifter. Mm-hmm. I never did I never did uh, power cleans cleans from the ground. I always did hand cleans. Mm-hmm. I would warm up with a hand clean of one forty. 140, 150, 160, 165. I would hand clean that stuff. I'm chest pressing like 160, 165, easy. I would squat. I don't know what my max was, but I would definitely squat in most sessions. I would start at like 260 and work my way up to 300 plus. Not deep squat. <laughs> Remember back in the day, we just used quarter squat. Now they put the little cages yeah. on the side. Back yeah. in the day, we took it off the rack and our quarter squat was our quarter squat. There was no protection there. Hmm. I would lift and I would lift and I would lift because that's what you think it takes to be fast, to be very strong. Mm -hmm. But every time I did that, going out to try and move fast, painful, Mm. painful. I remember doing hurdle bounds a time and I thought, I can't do this. I can't land. I'm scared to land. If I, if I hop over the hurdle, I'm scared to land. It feels like my knee's going to explode. (laughs) <laughs> wow! but I kept going oh, I kept going I kept going yeah. the previous the previous work we did is just just working hard that that mentality mm-hmm. also went into into the gym mm-hmm. so we work hard in the gym and even then it was like when you think about it again you're piecing a lot of things together um, we're doing we're doing weights first and then going on the track like, if you want to be better at something, practice that. Why am I going into the gym fresh, fresh, lifting beautiful weights, you know what I mean? And then going down to the track exhausted, like spent. Mm. It don't make sense. So, Rob, how did you get into coaching? I was doing a little bit in the UK, like coaching a few friends and relatives and things like that. Just, just things that I know that make you a little bit fitter. So, you know, I mean, your basic circuits, which they call hip now. <laughs> so we were doing some circuits and just a, few, a little bit of running, you know what I mean? I wasn't doing, I wasn't trying to coach anyone. I was just 
training people. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't finished with what I was doing, so I didn't really enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose my real introduction came like when I started to learn how to fix people, right? how to heal them. So I was injured a lot and I had a lot of admiration for good physiotherapists, which there are not many of that I've mm. been privy to like, work with. Mm-hmm. I think I've met two good physios in my entire time. And I've seen, I've probably seen close to 100 physios in my time. I've met yeah. two good ones. But the person who like, had the biggest impact on me in terms of like healing the body was, uh, was an acupuncturist. Okay. And I spent a lot of time with this guy, a lot of time. I used to bring him clients, you know what I mean, just so I could watch him work. Mm-hmm. Ask him like to show me, show me how it works, this that. And he was like, nah. I mean, he was a Japanese guy. He didn't say nah. He was like, oh, oh. he was like, no, <laughs> can't do nothing. Yeah. So I was like, alright, whatever. So I kept sending him clients, and I'll go with the clients because he works all the way in uh, Tunbridge, Wales, or wherever the hell it's called. He works far, mm-hmm. man. So I would go and see this guy, and I'd watch what he was doing. What he fixed on me that made me think, yo, this guy's the truth, is I had plantar fasciitis on my foot, obviously. Mm. But, um, and he pretty much removed like 70% of the pain. Wow. The remainder part, like the, 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 the biomechanics and the posture came from the physio who I was seeing at mm-hmm. the time, Paul O'Hara. He's an amazing physio, amazing, so, so mm. good. So the combination of the two of them had me start to think about the body different. Mm. And it's at that point when I started to see a lot of the mistakes that I was making. Why my body was so broken. Like, How can I get from the point that I'm at now, like in a lot of pain every single morning, mm-hmm. to just being pain-free or as, as close yeah. to pain-free as possible. So working with these guys really helped me understand how I can actually go about doing that. So, in turn, going back to your question, like, how did I get into coaching? When I started to understand that, I started to implement the knowledge I was gaining from understanding the body better mm-hmm. and the training practices that were being done. I was able to experiment with people and I was seeing very quick results with those individuals. Things that was taking me a long time to get to grips with or understand or actually perform and then see a result from it. I was getting this out of people within like one or two sessions. It was it was eye-opening to see the results that I could get just from linking a healthy body and correct movement. Mm-hmm. And the results would come to these people. But this was when I, when I was in the UK, so I wasn't doing too much of it. It's not until I came to, when I moved out to the UAE, is when I started coaching, like, as my thing. Yeah. I saw the level of coaching that was out here, and it, to be honest, it's comical. It's Mm. a joke. It's a complete joke. There's so many cowboys. You think there's cowboys in the UK, bro? (laughs) This place. (laughs) This place is hilarious. 
this place is like the wild, wild east. There's so mm -hmm. much crap. <laughs> yeah. And parents and people buy into the crap because it comes like shiny package. And, mm. like, the part of the UAE I'm in is Dubai. Okay. It's got beautiful schools, beautiful facilities, and everything's so nice and it's grand and it's blah, blah, blah. But what they're missing is the intellect that goes behind making these things. So they just give yeah. in to, when I say making these things, making these athletes. They mm -hmm. give it to the shine. So you go into this arena and there's a cowboy coach there from like a a, a club mm. who have just employed some cheap talent. When I say some cheap person yeah. posing as a coach. Mm. But because the the club or the academy has a name for this particular sport in the market, yeah. the parents send their children there. And I remember being brand new to this place and I would just see the level of coaching, right? not just in in track. And at the time, there was only one, there was only one main player in the track and field game out here. But I remember seeing the coaching here and, and, and that, and I was like, this is terrible. But mm. whatever, I'm not involved in it no more. I'm working my full-time job, whatever. Yeah. And I remember seeing it in football. And I'm an Arsenal fan here, so what, one of my biggest, like, nuances with Arsenal is the fact that they're always injured. Something that I can relate mm. to. And I think, yeah. you know, if these players, as good as they are, they're like some of the best players in the world, even mm. like the post-Invincible era, there's some amazing players, but they're always hurt. And that yeah. hurts our chances through the season. So if they can stay healthy, we would stand a better chance. And then obviously, like, football, and I'm passionate about it because of Arsenal and what I just ex explained, Mm. But I would see the coaching standard of football out here. And it was just like lads coaching mm. these young guys who've got so much aspiration in their eye. And <laughs> oh my, and it still happens to this day. Like I watch yeah. these guys coach these little kids so badly. Like they don't even care. They're just there to pick up a check. And mm. I would see parents, oh, how's little whoever doing it? And they were, oh, yeah, yeah, he's all right, mate. Yeah, he's doing well. We do well today, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, this is it? This is the standard? <laughs> I was just laughing, but I didn't, I didn't think to jump in at that point and do anything about it. Yeah. It's not until I, 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 I came to my own realisation, like, I hate sitting down at a desk working. I hate this stuff. I don't even, to be honest, mm -hmm. I don't even like, I don't like adults. I don't, I'd rather be away from people and, I just want to deal with children. Mm -hmm. right? That's where my joy is. I, I've come to learn that. Yeah. The children are so, they're just filled with so much potential and promise. It needs the right person who cares enough to take the time out to guide them in a certain way. I've come to learn that. But like getting to that point was difficult. But once I yeah. did start to understand that, yo, I'm, I'm not this desk office person. I, I hate you lot. If I stay mm. in any longer, I'm I'm gonna like, I'm gonna do something bad to this guy that called that, that I have to call my manager. I'm really hurt. Mm. And then <laughs> I came out of that. Long story short, there that's a whole another podcast for another day. There, but mm. when I came out of that, I set up uh, my company, Pure Sprint, and yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna start coaching people. Mm. And that was it. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna coach kids. I'm gonna show them 
what I think is the, the correct way to go about building an athlete. And I yeah. don't care who, what sport you come from. I don't care what background you are. I know how to build athletes. I just know it's, yeah. it's, it's too obvious now. It's, mm-hmm. it's super obvious. And on that journey, I didn't have many kids jumping at the chance to train with me. I got no name. I'm like, you know, I'm one of many athletes that come over to, or, or an expat from not just Dubai, but anywhere in the world. Many, many people yeah. do this. And not many people was coming to me. So I had to like take like a personal training entry to like start building up a client base. Mm-hmm. And then two kids came to join with me. Two kids at the very start. Hmm. And these are little Indian boys here. No disrespect. No No disrespect intended here. But you don't associate Indians with being good at anything apart from cricket. And they, to be fair, they're cricketers, you know what I mean? And they weren't good cricketers. Mm. They were just two kids who liked to play cricket. Mm -hmm. And they had so many issues, like posture problems, like, you know what I mean? Just all kinds of, they're just riddled with crap. Yeah. Oh my gosh. These kids ain't good. (laughs) But I remember working with them and like I was saying to you before, like I was yielding results of very little work. Like I wasn't getting mm. to do a lot of work. Yeah. And we were yielding results. And the progress was very it was it was so quick, it was shocking me at the time. Mm-hmm. And when I started to see like how they're progressing over like a two month period, I'm like, yo, these kids I'm gonna make dangerous. I'm going to make people mm-hmm. stand up and pay attention to what I'm trying to build with your swing. I'm going to mm-hmm. make people understand this. I've made an athlete out of two kids who do not deserve to be as strong and as powerful and as, and, and as limber as they are. Yeah. And we've done that. So like fast forward till now, like four years down the track now, these guys are like, the older one is playing uh, under 19 he was playing so well under 19, they put him in an under 25 squad for his state in India, which means the next step okay. for him is IPL and India International. Wow. The younger brother, he is UAE under 19, and he's a state cricketer for India right now. So the next step for him is IPL and India International. Wow. Every time they go to their, their sport camps, cricket camps, they're by far the best, better than the men. 17 and mm. 19 years old they're better than the men they're more explosive than the men the fitness test is a joke for them they are the yeah. best I've done that for tennis athletes I've done that for basketball guys you know what I mean I've, in the past yeah. five years I've produced five athletes that are the best in their nation mm. and we do a very little work and I've had I've had so much opposition trying to do that Really? So when I when I, I laughed before saying like there's, there's all these clubs out here and they say they can do what they do, I've packaged the training into something so simple. It's easy to make an athlete. It's it's so easy. It's not complicated at all, and mm-hmm. all of that has come from off the back of how hard I used to work, mm-hmm. the things that I know didn't work, but I was too naive, stupid on my part to say, no, stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And understanding how to fix the body. Yeah. So in five years, my guys don't get hurt. Four years, my guys don't get hurt. No injury. No, none, no injury. 
can't tell me you're going to come you come to me and say this that hurts all right sit down and relax we don't need to do that do it my guys don't get injured and I, it's not like i have a string of athletes of really good caliber coming to me mm-hmm. and training me so and they're already good and they're already the best and i can say oh yeah i've made no 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 i get athletes who are I get kids who are not even athletes, so they can barely walk. <laughs> I don't know how much time you've, you've watched the UAE. The, the kids out here, very privileged lifestyle. I'm not to say that, that there's yeah. no good talent out here, but the ones that come through, come by way of me, they're not talented. Just the parents have got the money. Talented. Hmm. Very easy. I've like just take your my own crappy experience and put it with some stents. There you go. Mm. And there's small pockets around the world where I'm seeing this. You know, I mean, with the rise of social media, you're starting yeah. to see like there's a there's there's hot pockets around the world that yeah. produce some phenomenal talent. And if yeah. you watch and you study what it is they do, their work is incredibly simple. And that simplicity is what's bringing out the best of people. That's the thing. Sometimes it's just keep it simple. Like everyone is, everyone is different. Rob, my last question: If you could des- describe in three words, what do you think is fundamental for an athlete to be successful? Three words. I can give you three things. <laughs> mm. um, stress management. Hmm. Like being an athlete, being a, a an athlete that is your sport is almost driven by your nervous system in this, in, in in track and field, in sprinting in particular. Being a, an hmm. explosive athlete, so any sport where you have to be fast, you're 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 driven by your nervous system. Stress is the biggest inhibitor of that. You have to learn how to manage stress need to build a team up around you that will not give you stress and only can have your best interest that needs to be around you so girlfriend stress get rid of it financial stress get rid of it family stress get rid of it. and if you want to do this and do it well must eliminate stress must that's, that's a, a non-negotiable mm. you come to me and you're an athlete you're a person who's got loads of stress the first thing you have to work on is your stress how do you deal mm. with it? How do you eliminate what causes you stress? Um, second part. In the day and age we live now, social media is a massive thing. Right? You've got to make yourself a brand. You've got to become an asset. That doesn't just mean like you put all your best pictures up on Instagram, this, that. That means you show what it is you are about, what it is you do. You show all mm-hmm. the good things about you. Now you have to understand the business. How does the asset that I'm creating fit into this business model? Got to be able to link the two worlds. If you don't, you're at the helm of whoever's leading the ship, and that's normally the institution, and that never ends well for the athlete. So how does me, the brand, my image, how does this, how do I fit into this system, and how do I become the dominant person 
or the dominant fixture in this relationship. And I suppose the third thing is learn your craft. Become a master mm. at it. Become an absolute beast at what it is that you're going to pursue. Don't be distracted. Don't get caught up in sight. Don't get sidetracked by people talking without justifying what they're talking about just so they can sidetrack you. A lot of people come with this crap so that you're not on the path to be the figure that they see that they could never be. Become an absolute monster at what it is you're doing. Yeah, stick to that. Those three things for me, mm-hmm. you're going clear, mate. Going clear. Yeah. Rob, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I'm sure we could talk. We could talk for hours probably um, about this. There's probably so much more I want to ask you. I'll probably ask you off. <laughs> off air but no it's been a pleasure um, thanks for joining hopefully some of the stuff that you said is going to it's going to have an impact on someone who's listening in their career um, in making the right decisions going forward and yeah thank you thank you again for joining my pleasure man thank you for the invitation and referring to me as your special guest is, <laughs> that made my day <laughs> no, I hope, I hope, get- like, some, of, some of the things I did share don't resonate yeah. with with someone there's many pitfalls in sport and in life man. i hope people realize that the two worlds are more similar than they are different yeah the benefit that athletes have when they integrate into the real world the advantage that us as athletes have is immense in terms of discipline structure and grind these are attributes that school will never teach you You will never learn this any walk of life unless you walk the path of an athlete as we have. To have the courage and strength to guide it by yourself. Don't, if it's not going your way, don't think that's, it's it's the end. Because there is so much more to come. Just on the basis that you've developed some of these intrinsic habits that you don't even know mean anything. So, yeah. Keep going and it's never over. Ever. Definitely. Definitely. For anyone that's listening, um, thank you for listening today. Please like, please subscribe. There'll be more episodes coming. Until next time, peace.